0: We have sown lost and afraid, we wander far over land and foam, searching for hope and a Will bring us home, squandering all life's treasures, pleasure. Dangerously close. in all our chaos, bolstered by Satan's lies, shining yet always will bring us home. I saw.
1: My name is Hal Brady. Let me welcome you to this ministry tonight. I'm so pleased you've taken the time to join us. And again, I trust that this particular 30 minutes will be a blessing to you because this really is the day the Lord hath made and we are rejoicing in it. Our scripture lesson tonight comes from the Old Testament. It comes from Numbers chapter 14 and I'm gonna read beginning at verse 20. Then the Lord said, I do forgive just as you have asked, nevertheless as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the people who have seen my glory and the signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have tested me these ten times and have not obeyed my voice, shall see the land that I swore to give to their ancestors. None of those who despised me shall see me. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, and followed me wholeheartedly, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me please for a moment of prayer? O oh God, let your will be done. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. And we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory. Amen. Recently I read an article entitled Reading Your Own epitaph. In that article, the author asked a very poignant question. He asked, when the clock of life has run its course, will our lives have counted for something? And then he said, we only have three possibilities. We can have a negative effect on the world, we can have a neutral effect on the world, or we can have a positive effect on the world. Now, undoubtedly, one of my favorite Old Testament characters is Caleb the reason being is he had a positive effect on the world. God in complimenting this man Caleb says he has a different spirit. Now Moses sent 12 leaders of Israel to spy out the promised land and he was expecting a report from them in 40 days. What kind of land was it? Was it a good land or a bad land, small or large? What about the towns? Were they well fortified or were they open? These were questions that were being asked and answered. But at the end of 40 days, the spies came back and gave their report. 10 Ivory reported that it was absolutely an impossibility. They could not take the promised land. The people over there were giants and we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. Now what possible good are grasshoppers against a large opposing army? So these 10 spies said it couldn't be done, but then Caleb, one of the two remaining spies, he stood and said, let us go up at once, for we're well able to overcome it. Don't you just love that different kind of spirit? I do. As the late Dr. Harry Emerson Foswick observed, it is not so much what life brings to us in her hand as to what we bring to life in our spirits that makes the difference between people. Now, I want us tonight for a few minutes to look at our attitudes or our spirits. What kind of attitudes or spirits do we have? And what kind of attitudes or spirits are we bringing to life? First of all, there's the can't-do spirit. Too many people have this kind of spirit too much of the time. In one of the familiar Peanuts comic strips, Lucy says to Charlie Brown, Chuck, you know, life is like a deck chair. Some people put the chairs where they can see where they've been. Some people put the chairs where they can see where they're going. And some people put the chairs where they can see where they are now. Deck chairs, shouted Charlie. He said, I can't even get mine unfolded. There was a minister who asked his youngest daughter what her favorite color was. She said red and blue, yellow and orange, black and green, He said her answer hit him like a ton of bricks. She hadn't realized that she couldn't have but just one favorite color. She thought she could have many favorite colors, and she could. And so we asked the question, what happened to that children's world? That children's world that was so exciting and so colorful that now suddenly become this drab, dull adult world that doesn't have what it needs to have. The answer is fear, fear. Now, we can see this fearful attitude in these ten spies. As I said, they said they saw the giants over there, and they saw themselves as grasshoppers. They projected the giants' thinking into their own, and they said, "Or oh, so we seem to be. We seem to ourselves as grasshoppers, and so they did. They had a fearful spirit. What a crippling, paralyzing effect that crippling fearful spirit had upon those spies and what a crippling paralyzing effect that fear has upon us in the world today. Here are some signs of that kind of fearful spirit that can't do spirit. Well, God has a lot of power, but this is impossible. I don't believe, if only, let's be realistic, this can't possibly happen. One of the greatest experiences of all times was the experience that happened to John Wesley on board a ship crossing the North Atlantic. He was on the way over and a terrible storm arose. It frightened everybody on board the ship. Everybody was afraid and fearful. That is except one little group. They were the German Moravians. This little group of people was singing praises and they were praying and they were calm. John Wesley described these people like this. He described what was going on, and I'd like to share with you what he said. He said, In the midst of the reading of Psalm, the sea broke and split the main sail in pieces, covered the ship, and poured in between the deck, as if the great deep had already swallowed us up. A terrible scream broke out among the English, but the German Moravians calmly sang on. I asked one of them afterwards, Were you afraid to die? And he answered, I thank God, no. Wesley said, were your women and children afraid to die? And he said, no, they're not afraid to die. Wesley knew in that moment that he didn't have that kind of spirit, that he had a spirit of fear, a terrible spirit of fear. Too many people have that kind of spirit, a terrible spirit of fear that keeps them from doing things in this life that they need to do and want to do. I read about a man who was pinned underneath his car. He had tried to change a tire and the jack slipped and he slipped, the car slipped on him. His wife, who was average size, she just simply went over there and picked up the car. A little woman picked up the car and he slid out. People were conjecturing on how in the world did she do that. Some people said, well, maybe she just didn't realize what she couldn't do. And her subconscious mind went to work and she had strength. Other people say love went into effect Her husband was in danger and she loved him enough to save him. But, you know, I got to thinking about this. What if we would stop thinking about what we couldn't do and start thinking about the possibility of what we could do? It would make a profound difference in all our lives if we could only do that. And so I think it would be wonderful if we could get rid of the can't-do spirit. Then secondly, there is this critical of spirit. A husband and his wife were arguing, and the husband said, I have many faults, but being wrong is not one of them. One of my favorite writers was the late Louis Crizard. Many people have written, but they don't have his talents and his skills and his abilities. He wrote about going to the Soviet Union with the Friendship Force. And so he wrote an article back, and in that article it was called Complaining is a luxury ignored in Russian restaurants and hotels. And this is what he said. One of my first impressions of the Soviet Union is that these people don't pay attention to whiners. I've always been a whiner. I whine in a hotel when the room is too small. I whine in a restaurant when the soup is cold. I whine in a 7-Eleven when they don't have my particular brand of potato chips. I would never make it over there. I don't have the patience to be a Russian. Seriously speaking, far too many people possess this kind of spirit, this critical ah, fault-finding, complaining about spirit. I want us to compare the statement of these children of Israel with what they heard. This is after they heard Moses' remarks and after they heard Caleb's remarks of what they could do. This was their response. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would it we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would it we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become booty. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? I want you to listen to these two phrases. First of all, they said, Would it that we had died in the land of Egypt? Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? This is the complaining, fault-finding, critical of spirit. Now where does this spirit come from? I think it comes from several undernourished areas of our life. First, it comes from our sense of inferiority. One of the well-known preachers of our day said he had preached in a lot of churches. He had his own church, but one of the things he had discovered as he went around He learned that a lot of people did not have a high enough opinion of themselves. And when people don't have a high enough opinion of themselves, then they cannot have a high enough opinion of others, a sense of inferiority. Then many people, an undernourished area in their life is a lack of love. They have a lack of love. They just don't love sufficient. There's a story of the prodigal sons you remember. The young son, he wasted his substance in riotous living. He did a lot of sinning, a lot of things wrong. And yet he came back, and you remember, he was received at the Lord's table. The elder brother, who was supposed to be so much better than the younger brother, the elder brother, when he came in, his father welcomed the young brother back. He said, this brother of yours is home. He said, he's not my brother, he's your son. So you see, this elder brother had a critical of spirit And it was not very pretty for him or anybody else. And then I read about a mother and her daughter who were out shopping. They were trying to take advantage of this big sale in many department stores. And as they raced through, suddenly the mother started complaining. The crowds were too large. The merchandise was not very good. Everything was going on. And she finally just said to her daughter, I'm never going back to that store again. Did you see the dirty look that clerk gave me? Her daughter replied, Mother, she didn't give you that dirty look. You already had it when you came. A lack of love in someone's heart. That will always cause us to have a critical of spirit. And then another undernourished area of our lives is a limited vision. Remember the story in the Bible when the children of Israel were going to have a king. And God told the priest Samuel to go to Jesse, and that one of his sons would become the king. You remember David, this great person, was only the younger brother of those seven other older brothers, and he was out tending the sheep. So he was not even considered. So Samuel told Jesse, one of your sons will be king. So he, pers- he pr- paraded those brothers before him. Each time God said, this is not the one. Finally, when they came to the end of the seven brothers, Samuel said, is this all of your sons? Oh, yes, it is, said Jesse. But then one of the older brothers said, well, remember, David, he's out tending sheep. Well, he thought, Jesse did, that because his son was out tending sheep, he would not be considered. And yet it was because he was tending sheep, because he was a man after God's own heart, that he was considered. So I want you to understand that David, as great as he was, his father never saw his potential, and many people are criticized simply because their potential is never seen or understood by anybody else. And I remember reading a story about some turkey raisers. They said if a turkey has an ailment or a wound and a spot of blood shows up on his wing, then the other turkeys will peck this turkey to death. That's the way it is with harsh criticism. It's always a problem. Criticism should be listened to, learned from, and left behind, and left behind. So there is the critical of spirit. But then there is another spirit, and that is the possibility willing spirit. This, of course, is Caleb's spirit. This is the spirit that all of us should have, or at least I hope we have. I want you to consider this passage of Scripture now because this is what Caleb told everybody. Now, and said to the congregation of the Israelites, the land that we went through as spies is an exceeding good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the lands." For they are no more than bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Here is a contrast between what the people of Israel were complaining about, their critical of spirit, and here is Caleb's possibility winning spirit. These are the statements I want you to remember. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Only do not have a critical spirit. And do not fear the people. Don't have a can't-do spirit. He said... The Lord is with us. This is the possibility of willing spirit. Now, how do we have a possibility of willing spirit? We have a possibility of willing spirit when we begin to know by faith and trust that God is with us. And God really is with us. James Moore wrote a book that said, If God is your co pilot, swap seats. He was saying we should not just take God along for the ride. We should actually let God do the driving. We should trust God to do the driving. Now I want to see if I can share with you some illustrations of this possibility of willing spirit, which is so critical to a great life. You ever heard the name Kenneth Taylor? Kenneth Taylor was the author of a living Bible. He wrote that Bible to his own children, but as he began to read it to them, he decided maybe other people could be blessed by what he was writing. So he submitted it to a publisher. The publisher immediately turned him down. He submitted it to another publisher. This publisher turned him down and said, nobody's gonna buy this book because of your paraphrasing it in such a way that there's not gonna be interested. So Kenneth Taylor submitted it to 36 more publishers and 36 more publishers turned him down. But did he quit? No, he formed his own publishing company called Tyndall House Publishers. And because of their efforts, their gracious efforts in publishing, the Living Bible today has sold more than 500 million copies. Did he quit? No. 500 million copies of the Living Bible have been sold because Kenneth Taylor had the possibility of willing spirit. And then I read about a little boy who was eight years old who was going around his community asking people to give him money for pencils. He was selling pencils. Finally, one of the adults said, what are you doing with the money for these pencils? He said, I'm going to raise $6 million to build a new hospital in this city. He said, $6 million. He said, that's a big task for one man. The little boy said, oh, no, I'm not doing this alone. I have a friend who's helping me. That is the Caleb possibility of willing spirit. Then I had a friend who said that In a church service, at the end of the service, something very unique happened one Sunday. He gave the invitation, they had sung the hymn, the invitation had been given, the prayer had been prayed, and he opened the door for church membership and three families came down. And he asked them the question that's asked in every Methodist church. Will you uphold the Methodist church by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? And then he said, if you will, say, I will. These adults in their routine fashion said, I will. But it had been about that time a little five-year-old boy with a crew cut with a lot of mischief about him shouted out, I'll try, I'll try, he shouted. Well, the minister bent over in laughter. The congregation applauded. The minister said that he had been in the ministry over 20 years and that was probably the most honest answer to that question he had ever heard. The little boy said, I'll try, God help me. And I'll try. That's all God can expect any of us, of any of us to develop this possibility of willing spirit, which will enable us to trust God and to know that God is with us and in charge and loving us and caring for us and trusting God. How very important it is for all of us to have a Caleb spirit. Oh, for that Caleb spirit, that different spirit. Let us pray. God, I thankful we are for this time together, and how thankful we are for your lessons from the book of Numbers and the story of Caleb and these children of Israel. We thank you for Caleb for his marvelous spirit, for his willingness, for his possibility thinking. We ask you, oh God that you'd help us to use him as our own example, that you'd help us to get beyond the can't do and the critical of, and help us to develop a possibility, willing spirit that you can use us in ways that even we can't imagine. And we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory. Amen. Thank you very much for tuning in tonight. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. I pray that you'll tell others about this ministry and you'll join us next week. Thank you and have a good night.
0: I found in him a friend so strong and true. I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. All my life was full of sin when Jesus found. destroy